What is up, everybody? I am your host, Kyle Pagan. Welcome back to another episode of Crossing Broadcast. Let's bring on my guy, Kevin Kincaid, because I want to talk about a little air. I want to talk about a little air quality index, and I want to talk about Philadelphia winning its first championship in five years, something we really needed. Because we now have the worst air quality in any major city in the entire world. World champions. World fucking champions, as Chase Utley Utley said. How you feeling, buddy, out there in the burbs? Better. Much better. Um, I don't know how it looks down there, but it looks a little more clear out here. Um, It looked apocalyptic, downright apocalyptic the other day. I felt like I was in... uh, you know, like like uh, 19th century Birmingham, England, you know, like, you know, spewing black smoke before we had any of the environmental stuff. You know, it was bad. It felt bad. But Stung it's still not cool. Like, New York was so cool. New York looked apocalyptic. New York was orange. New York was blood <laughs> yeah. red at one point. Like, that was yeah. cool. Of course, Philadelphia, a second-rate city sometimes, has to come in second place to being cool again. I'm actually... Uh, I'm using the Comcast Tower indexed, um, yeah. so I look out my window and I see if I can see the Comcast Tower and how good I can see the Comcast Tower. Right now, it's looking pretty good. I think the okay. air, I think the uh, the air quality index is decreasing. Supposedly, it might be coming back in the uh, in the afternoon. But the Phillies are checking with the people and seeing uh, if you know the air quality will be good. Uh, for the game tonight as they canceled yesterday. Um, and just a little thing off the top of my head, according to airnow.com's air quality index, Philadelphia is currently at, this was last night, 447. The air particles are considered hazardous at this time at 300. So we're 147 particles more yeah. than the uh, than the, the, than the next level down. Supposedly parts of like center P- central PA were up to like 500. Some were up to like 550, maybe even 600. Yeah. It's wild out there. You'd think there would be less air pollution out there, but it turns out that these damn Canadians are killing us. They're killing now, us. They're trying you, to kill us. Did you know that there was a level after red? Because I thought red yes. was the worst by far. Did you, you knew that maroon was a thing? Uh, it's purple and then it's maroon, correct? Purple and then maroon. So it goes red. So it goes yeah. orange, green, yellow, orange, red, purple, maroon. Yes. So red is very unhealthy. Yeah. Purple is has is hazardous. Maroon very hazardous. Which I don't yeah. agree. I don't think maroon's a very, scary color. Very ha- so. Is that the next? That's like the discussion we had with Jalen Hurts in the Eagles' offense, like adding Bijan Robinson. You got from hazardous to very hazardous is that a is yes. that a, a step up there i um well yeah to your new york point it's funny how we're still second to them and almost everything our air can we can't even get our air as shitty as them during the during the wildfires you know um but you know this is what it's like uh on a typical day in some of those asian cities like not 500 not 400 or whatever but like like in bangladesh and india and shit like that aren't they like always up in the 200 300 range 
Like as a normal. No, thing? I'm not really plugged in on the Bangladesh local news system. I'll tell you that one, man. I apologize. I don't really uh, get outside of Pennsylvania, and I really yeah. don't get outside of the United yeah. States when it comes to my news. This is yeah. probably the most international news I've ever paid attention to in the uh, country of Canada right now. How are you? How how is it affecting you? How how are you doing? You know, uh, people are complaining about itchy eyes. People are complaining about itchy yeah. throat. People are sound like I think in New York, if you spent 24 hours out in the city, it was like the equivalent of smoking seven cigarettes, which yeah, my mom smoked no, half a pack terrible. a day, and she's got she's healthy well, as an ox. So, well, look here's a live look at Bangladesh uh, right now. This is uh, what is the capital? Well, you know the capital of Bangladesh is Pagan, Mumbai. Nah, it's in India. Um, it's Dhaka, D H A K A, Dhaka, Bangladesh, where they currently have a can't even read this thing that Craig's showing. It looks like a one one fifty nine. So it's unhealthy for, uh, I think I see, uh, yeah, it's unhealthy. There's a unhealthy for sensitive groups. Yeah. And the capital it's in the red. So that's a code red and they don't have any wildfires coming down from what's North of Bangladesh, like, like, uh, uh, Nepal or some shit. I don't know. I'm trying to think of this off the top of my head, but it's, it's unhealthy. Could you imagine living in this shit every day, man? Think about how well, bad it sounds like third is. world problems. How are you feeling? We're in the first world here. We shouldn't be experiencing this kind of thing. We're a developed country. How are you eyes, feeling? Eyes and throat, man. Just like your eyes are just like a little like irritated and like your throat's a little scratchy. But, I, you know, it's um, not going to walk around with a gas mask or anything like that. They shut down the, you know, at the girls daycare. You know, they're not letting them go outside. So, Damn. you know, that's the thing. I see landscapers out here. You know, it's like, I don't know. You know, if you're like in your 20s or your 30s and you're healthy and whatever, it's probably not going to affect you as much as the, uh, you know, this seven year old. exactly like we're going back to COVID. Wear a mask well, yeah, outside. It well, 30. yeah. I mean, but one of them, one of them is like, okay, we can definitely say there's smoke in here. Like we've seen this shit before. We've done wildfires before. I mean, like everybody else is like, uh, you know, COVID, we were <laughs> trying to dispute whether it's even real or not. Kevin. You know? Not yeah. according to Ben Davis. If he doesn't see the danger, there is no danger. <laughs> yeah, what a series of tweets that was, man. Yeah. It's all mental. You're, all, you're a pussy, you know, if you don't uh if you don't mind if you're affected by breathing in a little smoke, you know. It's a little smoke. If anyone right? didn't see this, uh he replied back to Glenn Macdow, who was on Tuesday's show. So thanks for everybody who listened to that. There's a good conversation and stuff. But Glenn Macdow was complaining about, you know, how you know outside it was tough and everything. Gun's gun's a little old. Ben's uh Ben's a little younger. I, I I love the meh. I love the meh. You know, responding back. I threw BP to our oldest and long toss for two hours around noon. Worked out with the cellar doors wide open and went for a jog afterwards. No issues at all. It's all mental. And if anybody knows people from Malvern Prep, they are the epitome of mental toughness. I know people from Malvern Prep have gone through it more than anyone in this world. Ben Davis guy replies back, LOL, dude, there's smoke from fire in the air. It's pretty literal. Ben Davis replies, okay, pal, you stay inside then and hold the fort down. I'll be outside maintaining my farm land and doing whatever else the good Lord allows me to do. Can I get an hallelujah? Yeah, amen, brother. Um, amen. Well, yeah, I mean, I like how to, you can you literally can walk outside and it smells like a campfire. You know, it's not uh it's not mental. You can see it there. I agree that we've probably uh, gone soft in, in a number of spots in this country over recent years. Uh, however, I don't think wildfires wafting down from Canada where you can literally see the smoke and smell the smoke. I don't think that qualifies for us being, uh, you know, Ed Randell's nation of uh, nation of pussies or whatever, you know. You sound like a guy who would buy an electric mower. That's this is what it's all mental, Kev. 
I, I see no mate. fire. I hear no fire. Ben Davis eats fire and he breathes smoke. <laughs> it's shocking that he well, only yeah, bat, he's, he's only bad at two thirty three in his yeah. in his career. Well, that I, much yeah, mental I, toughness. I well, I wonder what Ben Davis would think if he knew that I had an electric zero turn Z six <gasps> mower from uh, from Ego. You know, he'd probably think I'm a huge, even more of a pussy. You know, he, he but, would uh, he would know that you'd work out with the cellar doors closed. <laughs> so he lives on a farm. Did we know that? Do we know anything about about Philadelphia is rural Pennsylvania to me? Yeah. Well, look, I mean, there's a lot of things that you can have valid complaints about, you know, you know, people want free shit. They don't want to work. You know, it's like you pay, pay my student loans and all this stuff. (laughs) But I, I, you know, like, I mean, come on, like it's like literal smoke. You are breathing in smoke. You know, I mean, I don't think you're a pussy if you don't want to bring in, breathe in smoke. You know, last time I checked, we uh, not supposed to be doing that. Uh, yeah, like I said, man, it's a, you know, Ben Davis is about 40. You know, he's your dad, right? So he's in his 40s, probably, right? Um, his oldest, you know, be there, be that a daughter or a son is probably in their, you know, teens or something like that. So they're healthy, you know, mm-hmm. they're not going to be affected by it as much as, uh, you know, my four year old, you know. So, uh, you know, to each their own, man, but don't say that, like, you can't be saying that you can't be suggesting that people are wusses because there's literal friggin smoke in there it's not that nobody's making anything up it's not mental it's not in your head you know <laughs> it feels pretty mental i mean if you want to go out there and you want to go for a nice jog at some point it's all mental it's all mental if you want to get through i mean ask craig craig's craig's a runner i know craig would run in this if he had the chance if there was yeah. a race he would run a, he would run a marathon in this 5k well, probably mean- like, is this just an extension of the pull yourself up by your bootstraps argument? Like, I think in a lot of, I think in a lot of ways that can be valid, but uh, not necessarily applicable to breathing in uh, toxic air because uh, parts of Canada, Quebec are literally on fire. So uh, that's where I would draw the distinction there. Yeah. I was fucked up on Wednesday. Like I like my eyes or, or Tuesday, I guess. Cause I didn't, I was like living under a rock. I didn't even know there's wildfires going on. Like, what is this shit? I thought my neighbor was like burning his house down. I walked around my neighbor's house to see if he was burning something out back or if his house was on fire. And then I got on Twitter and I was like, Oh, okay. It's uh, I got the alert from like Monco or something. They sent, sent something out saying that it was messed up. But I mean, they made the right decision to postpone the Phillies game. It's not like whatever the players I'm sure are fine. Right. They're all like elite athletes, right? It's not that it's, it's grandma sitting in section 142. You know, so that's that's why they make the decisions. It's not it's not because Taiwan Walker can't throw a splitter with a little bit of smoke in his nostrils. You know, it's because, you know, you know, Irene, 72 year old Irene is is sitting there and, you know, it is kid, a sports for old people. It is so, a sport you know. for old people. Does this go on uh, Jim Kenny's resume? Do we have to add this one to Jim Kenny's resume as he's as he's getting out here? Or is this Cheryl Parker's problem? Cheryl, sorry. Well, I think the real question is, does Kenny even know that there's smoke coming down from the. Uh, no, he's at batting practice right now against the Tigers. <laughs> he's vacationing in Florida right now. I don't think he's even in Pennsylvania. Um, oh, that was a good. Man. That was a good pull. We didn't even talk about that, by the way, because is it a violation that Kenny was at the Nationals? Uh, was at the Phillies game on the road? Is he good? Does he go to road Phillies games because he doesn't want to show his face in Philadelphia? Would you want to go to Citizens Bank Park if you were the mayor of Philadelphia at this current climate? No. no. So. But ironically, take- Kenny, Kenny's, Kenny's peak was a sports-related thing when he called Chris Christie a fat slob or whatever that uh, whatever that tr- tweet was. Didn't he call him, what do you call him like a fat creep or something like that when he was uh, when Kenny was still on city council? 
that endeared him to everybody, you know? And then uh, the next thing you know, there's a, there's a bad shooting and he shows up on 4th of July with a Real Madrid jersey on and it was all down downhill from there, you know? Now, the best thing that would have happened to Kenny and it would have got everybody back on his uh, on his side would have been when he came out and said that he would have spent any amount of money on the Eagles parade if the Eagles would have won the Super Bowl. So it's the Eagles' fault why he's not polling well right now. Um, I, I think I buried the lead. We have David Edelman coming up in about two five two to five minutes. Uh, he's coming on. We, uh, we pre-recorded the interview and everything. Uh, obviously, you know, he's a lot busier than we are. But uh, it was a really good conversation about the stadium, about Chinatown, about you know, coverage of it from the uh, the leading uh, media sites here. Uh, will the Sixers move to Camden if they don't get it? Who knows? Anything else you want to do before we get into that, Kev? No, I just thought it would be interesting to mention the messy thing. Jesus Christ, 20 so, minutes, and we there. still got a a Sports Center update in here. Oh, I know. I, I'm sorry. That, let me see what it says. It says that... It the that Updated MLB power rankings. I'll check that out nice. in a little bit. Um, yeah, so Lionel Messi is going to come to MLS. He's going to play for Miami. Philadelphia Union play Miami at home on June 24th, and ticket prices are skyrocketing for that game. The only problem is that Messi is not going to play in that game because okay. he can't he can't clear the the MLS uh, transfer window. Doesn't open up until July, and he's probably going to take a break anyway. He's under contract in France until July 1st. So it's just crazy when you look at how much I think somebody reported that like Inter Miami added like 2 million Instagram followers when when Messi signed just like the global pool that he's going to have. I mean, you look at like the prices for these tickets for road games, for home games and all that stuff. And I mean, like he's the biggest star in sports in the world. Is this bigger than Beckham? It's a very good question, actually. I don't want to go. I don't want to bore people with too many details there. But Be- Beckham was a transformative moment because he kind of changed away the way that a lot of the rules were were written in MLS. Like they had to literally change the roster rules to even get Beckham into the league because they didn't have enough money. There was no way they could pay him enough money. It was a salary capped league. Um, his salary was going to be more than the entire cap combined. So they actually created a rule called the designated player rule where you can pay three guys outside of the salary cap, any amount that you want to pay them. And that was a mechanism that had to be put into place for, for him to even be here. He made like $250 million over five years. They gave him future ownership stake in a They gave him ownership stake in a future expansion team, which ended up being Miami. So David Beckham is a part owner of Miami now. And 17 years later, he, he brings Lionel Messi to MLS. So it's probably, it's probably, as big but the league was at different spots in 2007 and, and 2023 but i mean beckham was a beckham made mls relevant and now messi is the world's foremost global superstar so he just brings it to a level that it's never been at before yeah he won the what is it the Bayon d'or which is like the soccer mvp of the world and stuff he won it like last year oh, good you know, yeah, that was a good pronunciation for you yeah hey, you know i've been yeah. working on it you know yeah. i read a lot about canada so i'm trying to do my french better um, well here's the, here's the thing that's probably interesting to like the casuals who are listening right now so you know you can't watch the union on phl 17 anymore um you have to watch it on apple uh, apple tv plus right so you know if you had a casual you know bobby from south philly who watched the union go to the title game last year go to mls cup but wasn't so interested that he was going to pay the hundred some dollars to watch one apple tv they MLS lost that casual fan, but what they're going to gain now is like a million motherfuckers in Argentina who are going to mm-hmm. subscribe to Apple TV plus because they want to watch Messi. They're going to gain like a million people in Spain who are Barcelona fans who want to follow him now. 
So they were always banking on, you know, this is a global thing, you know, global deal that we can do here. And if we lose Bobby from South Philly, maybe we add, you know, for, for every Bobby Jose from, from South Argentina, Philly, I mean, like, yeah, there's probably like 2000 Jose's from Argentina. No, for real, for real though, man. I mean, that, that was so, you know, I, I don't like it because I always wanted to grow the team here and grow the game here, but I get it. Like if so, so what South Philly doesn't give a shit. Now you got everybody in Buenos Aires watching MLS, you know? I went to my first game. I enjoyed it. It was good. They beat up on Montreal, uh, three nothing. Julian Carranza maybe should be on the top twenty five athletes in Philadelphia. I don't know. We'll still uh, we'll have him outside for right now. But um, is, this is this is a pretty unprecedented deal because Messi is getting some revenue stream from the Apple. For 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 me and and the casuals who don't really care about soccer, is this like LeBron James going to Real Madrid in the Euro League and like getting some of the whatever revenue over there, or is this just an unprecedented kind of deal? I mean, that's probably the best way you could explain it. You know, if LeBron was just getting ready to wrap it up and he still had a couple good years left, if he went to, uh, you know, if he went to play at Real Madrid for for sure, yeah. But to entice him, they would say, look, we're going to give you a portion of like the broadcast money that comes in from all the people watching you and we'll give you a cut of like the, you know, whatever uniform provider they have over there. So MLS had to kind of get creative and pull out all the stops to, to, to make this even even possible because I think Messi turned down like two years and like one billion dollars from the Saudis or something like that. I saw I saw it got up to one point five billion for three. Three. That's okay. insane. That's six yeah. like six hundred million dollars a year. Yeah. That's wild. I know, I know. it's crazy. It's so um so they have to they have to be like that. You know, look, MLS has made up a lot of shit on the fly, but the league has grown and grown and grown. And uh it's not always good for the union, but you know, in this case, it's gonna grow the profile of the league and put eyeballs on it that that never would have watched it otherwise. So you can only be intrigued, man. I mean, they landed the biggest sport sports star in the entire world of 7 billion people, you know, or however. Could many this ever are. happen on the union? Could this ever, to, to, uh, Miami, obviously celebrities love Miami. He's, an, he's a great area. LA is the same way. Uh, I think New York Red Bulls is who had Terry Henry or New York something. That's good. Um, That's good. We, MLS knowledge out of you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, I, I, I try to I try to keep up. You know, I keep up at the service level, the big things. Um, yes. Could this ever happen where the Philadelphia thing? Like, no one wants to come to like Philadelphia or Chester and like ride a bus to the stadium and stuff. No one yeah. wants to like play for Jay Sugarman or whatnot. But maybe Kevin Durant. Maybe Kevin Durant I mean, that's can your, lure. That's your answer. That's that's your answer. Yeah, Antoine Griezmann, who's a star for France and who plays for uh, I guess he's still with Barcelona right now. Um, you know, he's met Durant before. Those guys all love basketball. I mean, if you could use that star power to connect you and say, hey, come play in Chester. I mean, that's how it's going to have to be done. But no, otherwise, I mean, people want to go to Miami. They want to go to L.A. They want to go to New York, you know. York, yeah. They want to go to the big cosmopolitan cities. But no, it'll be interesting watching. Uh, the, the only way that the union would play Messi this year is if they met in the playoffs. That's the okay. only way they could possibly have. But I'd love to see Lionel Messi on a – on a cold Tuesday night in Chester, man, that would be. Mm-hmm. Can he get it done in mm. Chester on a on a rainy Tuesday night? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Real oh. is one thing, but coming to Chester on a Tuesday rainy night with the Sons of Ben <laughs> and the River End, there's nothing like it. They say. And then somebody there's goes nothing. studs up into Lionel Messi and breaks his leg like one game into his MLS. Uh, can you imagine? It's blue collar toughness, blue collar town. Yeah. Um, that was a good soccer talk. That was good football talk. Um, let's get into the interview with, uh, David Edelman, uh, Sixers co-owner, Craig play it in three, two, one. All right. We are joined here by Sixers co-owner, David 
Edelman. Thank you for joining the program, David. How's everything going out there? It's going great. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Starting to stay away from the uh, the haziness of the city right now. Stay indoors, as they recommend. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Let's uh, let's uh, be safe. <laughs> All right. So uh, we really appreciate you coming on. Obviously, you are uh, in control of the uh, the Sixers Arena project for downtown and everything. I think, you know, we see all the constant, um, you know, inquiry pieces. We talk about it all the time. Everybody's talking about it right now. I think people really want to know is where are we at right now in the entire process? So, look, guys, we announced the project almost a year ago. It was July of last year, last summer. And what we did then, I'll say it again, it's kind of unprecedented to announce a project eight years in advance, okay? And, and we did that for two reasons. One, we have a lease at Wells Fargo Center till 2031. Uh, I've said this before, I'll say it again, we're going to honor that lease and, you know, enjoy our relationship with uh, Comcast and, you know, while we're there. Uh, but, you know, we're going to design our own home and uh, no differently than, uh, you know, yeah. I'm in the apartment business, right? People rent for me, but at some point their American dream is to own your own home and control their own destiny. And that's all we're looking to do. And uh, we've spent the last year going on a listening tour. Okay. Uh, the goal was to get as much input feedback as possible, evolve the plans as part of that. And uh, that's where we are. And so the goal now over the next few weeks is to continue with some more public community meetings uh, throughout all of the city. You know, I, I say this all the time. This isn't just a center city project. This is a Philadelphia project. When you talk about a $1.3 billion privately funded project um, in at a time where there's not a lot going on, we need to include lots of constituents. You know, when you think about 9,000 construction jobs, <coughs> that's going to pull from a very wide area of the neighborhoods. And we need to make sure all the neighborhoods are aware of this, and that this project not only benefits the core of center city, but the surrounding areas. And so, you know, we've been on the listening tour and now we're going on kind of the speaking tours, the way I kind of divide it up. Yeah, I know you've had a, you've had a couple cool uh, behind the scenes things. I know I, I saw you out in Denver. I saw you there. You're at uh, the Boston Celtics game. Obviously you're going to arenas that are really downtown. Is there any that like kind of stuck out to you in the NBA? Well, you know, first, you know, what, what's, you know, I always say this, like if David Edelman was inventing the downtown arena, then people in Philadelphia should be skeptical. 28 out of 30 NBA teams play in a downtown arena. It's only us in yeah. Chicago. Okay. So like, but I, but I feel like that's important because it's not like this, like boogeyman out there, like it happens everywhere. Um, and you know, where I saw you, I, I'm doing exactly that. I'm going on tour to visit the newest arenas. So you've got like, the way I, I look at it is you've got like kind of groupings, right? So the newest batch of arenas are Milwaukee, Golden State, Okay, like are two of the new ones. You have Brooklyn, obviously. Seattle. If you haven't seen Seattle, even though they're not playing basketball, they're, it's hockey right now, but you know, I assume at some point they'll be basketball. Seattle's arena is amazing. Okay. All of them adjacent to public transit, all of them state-of-the-art amenities. That just so the fan experience has dramatically changed. And when I saw you in Denver, you know, that is a same generation arena as the Wells Fargo Center, right? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, and so the, you know, kind of that multi-purpose generation from the mid-90s, you know, was state-of-the-art in the mid-90s, but which means that that concept came in the late 80s, right? You know, yeah. by the time it was invented, perfected, built. <coughs> and so things change, right? And things evolve. The fan experience has changed. And for us, you know, I want to design in Philadelphia the best arena in the world, full stop. Like, we deserve to have nice things in Philadelphia, even though we don't think we do. Okay. And like, I want the greatest fan experience that we can have. It's true, right? Like we don't think we I deserve anything good. Right. 
I, I hate I, I sometimes I feel like we just hold ourselves as this second rate city because we're in between New York and we're in between Washington, D.C. And we do it with our sports teams all the time. And we're just the lovable losers. And then we win championships like in 2018, 2008. And I just want to be I don't want to be Boston, but I want to have like that first rate like championship city kind of like Boston. Yeah, fuck that. We're better than that. OK, and so like we, we should. But by the way, and I fucking hate Boston. But like their arena, they figured that out. Imagine that, that that arena is on top of a train station. Okay. And they figured that out 25 years ago. Okay. They took a part of the, their city, reinvigorated it, built it on top of a train station like I want to do, added ground floor retail and activation. So you don't know if there's an event going on or not, which is what we're going to have. That whole presence environment. You look at across the street from there, all those buildings weren't there, you know, when that thing was first built. It created energy. And that's what I want to do on Market East. Well, Boston's a good example too, because that entire area is pretty challenging. You know, they had the big dig, right? And, yep. and there's not a lot of space for them to work with. So they had to be creative about what they were going to do in, in the first place. But I think to Kyle's point, the thing that bothers me the most about all this, you can be pro arena, you can be anti-arena, but it, it's whenever you tell somebody in Philadelphia, like I had this idea or we're going to try this or, you know, maybe we do this. You'll, you, the first thing you'll hear is 10 reasons why you can't do it or 10 reasons why you, you shouldn't do it. Um, and look, if, you, if you're against the project, that's OK. But I think we got to get away from this knee jerk idea of like, I'm going to tell you why we can't do it or why we shouldn't do it. And let's try to at least think about what this would look like or what it would take to make that work. Um, what do you make of that just whole philosophical thing that this this region seems to carry with it? Well, look, first of all, as you guys get to know me, you'll know, like, if I took no for an answer, I wouldn't be married to my wife. Okay. So, you know, like, like, like when I, you know, so it started off as, you know, when she first met me as a no, and I kind of, you know, I'm persistent. Okay. So I don't give up. Um, and so like, but you, what you said is exactly how I feel. I I've been doing development for 25 years. I've never, ever done a project where everyone's hundred percent for it day one. Never. And the best example I give in Philadelphia, because we're talking about that, is um, there used to be a rule. I don't know if you guys know this. You couldn't tall, build a building taller than William Penn's hat. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Like, who thought of that? Okay. And that held us down. So, like, little known story. In 1980, IBM wanted to build its world headquarters in Philadelphia and build, like, a 70, 80-story building. And we said no. Okay. Like, insane. So, Finally, one guy who had the balls to do something great, Willard Ralph, said, this is insane. It's holding our city back. We're going to change the height limit. Let's do that. And then Liberty Place got built. You, you know, then you see all you – know, and finally, the skyline continues to evolve. Comcast has built their two buildings, all above William Penn's hat. But everyone said no. And now people look back and say, that's ridiculous. And like I predict that's what will happen here. I mean, I, I mean, I, it's no shocker to anyone who listens to this. Like, we are pretty pro arena on this, uh, on on this broadcast and whatnot. Because I think I remember a lot from when I was growing up and going down to like Dave Matthews Band concerts, and we had to use the walk through the the gallery to get to the uh, to the Paco line and everything. And it's just there's nothing that has ever been substantial. I'll say down in market east and since i was 15 years old going in there and i know before the gallery used to be you know kind of like the mecca but then it kind of went through its whole thing it's got the the mall there right now what do you try to tell the people that are just like it's fine the way it is right now listen like status quo kills things yeah. period okay like no city survives the status quo no business survives the status quo if you guys didn't prepare and innovate your your show 
who's going to listen, right? Like, like there's got to be a reason that people get up every day and want to do what they do. And, you know, look, the numbers speak to itself, okay? The mall has very low occupancy, okay? Uh, the mall's too big to begin with, okay? Like, it, it, to me, it, it was an urban failure, okay? Because it, it's a suburban mall built in a urban environment, okay? And so, like, you just, it feels like it doesn't have that inviting. You can't even enter the ground floor stores from outside there. You have to go in the mall, and do that now that's probably been enhanced because of security and things like that but i mean there's no energy man there's just no energy um and so i think that it's really hard to not innovate and not try to improve upon things and so for me like the the history and the nostalgia of what that was go we have a great picture that i'll send you guys um market east was once the center of commerce in the early part of the century 1900s nine department stores lined the streets there the department store was actually invented here. Strawbridge and Clothier, John Wanamaker, Gimbals, all of that. Philadelphia innovated here, started here on Market East. That was the center of commerce. We have a great picture we'll send you. There's one department store left, Macy's, right? The old John Wanamaker building. Yeah. Okay. The south side of Market Street is boarded up, dead. Marshall's just left. 1128 Chestnut, there's a brand new Target and a new apartment building, boarded up. Boarded up. They, they gave up after 18 months, said, we're out. Okay. Wawa, 12th and market. We're out. Like, I'm just saying for the people who like the status quo, it's not working. Here's my, you know, when I think of, uh, or when I talk to anybody about the arena, whether they're pro arena, the anti arena, whatever the, the thought is, just bringing it up with anybody, sports fan, non sports fan. The thing I hear more than anything, David, is people saying, what's wrong with South Philly? Why do they have to leave? Or, or, or why do they need a, a new arena? Right. Um, how do you, well, those are, yeah, those are two separate things. Okay, so why do we need a new arena? Okay, one, we want to control our own destiny. Okay, and what do I mean by that? When you look at schedule, okay, and you guys are sports guys, I want you to do some research because you know we play more five out of seven nights more back to back generally than anyone in the league on an average. We've been home once for Christmas the last eleven years, I think. Okay, because and you know so the way the schedule works is the Flyers get their dates, the concerts get their dates. And then we get the rest. You don't see us with a lot of day games, but you see the day weekend games, but you see the Flyers with a lot of them, right? Great. They're building. They should do what they want. But the notion that we as a tenant shouldn't have the right to control our destiny, okay? And that we should have to take our players back to our practice facility for post-game treatment because we don't have adequate facilities, okay? Like at the end of the day, and you guys know this about sports, okay? Every team can essentially pay the same amount for people, right? You have caps, you have tax, whatever you want to say. Why are people going to play for us? We have the best fans in the country, hands down. Like I, I believe that. Like, okay. But like facilities matter, okay? You know, I took the head of the NBA Players Association here and she walked around. And when she saw that the visiting team is essentially eating in the, in the loading dock in the tunnel, like that's where their meals are. And that, you know, our current fitness uh, facility for a visiting team is this closet. Like that matters, right? She cares about that. Tamika cares about that. And so, you know, so it's two separate questions. Why do we want to control our own destiny schedule? Like you guys do the math. Like we wound up as the three seed this year. Imagine if we had a few less back-to-back games, a few less five out of six or five out of seven night games. That makes a difference. Okay. So there's a competitive reason. Uh, and two, the fan experience, the fan expects more. Okay. Um, you know, my knock is that I want to be able to give our fan a different kind of experience and a more intimate experience than they're currently receiving right now. And so that's why 
you know, when I talk about why we want to control our own destiny and build our own home, okay, that that's important. South Philly, I have nothing against South Philly, okay? Like, I love going to Eagles games. I love going to Phillies games. But I love Philadelphia, okay? And I'd like to have a different choice before and after the game for how I can entertain my guests, okay? The NBA did a survey. The number one complaint for our fans going to Wells Fargo Center is traffic. That's number one, okay? So the difference is, like, and I tell, I tell everyone, before I became an owner, I'd leave with two minutes left. Okay. Now you guys would roast me if I left. Right. So I don't leave. Um, and, yeah. Right. So, right. <laughs> so, so, you know, but like that matters. Like if I want to take somebody out to dinner and have a good experience beforehand, like I can't do it. All right. If I wanted to go out afterwards for drinks, which happens in every other city, when you go out after a game, like we can't do that. And so like, for me, like I want to bring business back. Like I want to bring energy back to the city. I love this city. I've used that same thing. I did the Philadelphia Union beat for like six or seven years, you know, and there was nothing in Chester. There was nothing around Subaru Park, right? I mean, there's a brewery there now and they have some food trucks and things like that. Yeah. But otherwise, when when visiting writers would come and they'd say, hey, where do, where do I go to get a drink after the game? You know, I would say, well, McDade Boulevard and like Delco <laughs> or something. Is that what you feel like driving there? You know, but, right, I mean, right. to that point, right. I mean, South Philly has Xfinity Live, Um include concerts in it too. you go to camden with the tweeter center whatever the hell it's called now, i still call it the tweeter center yeah me too. Uh, you, tail, you tailgate in your car right i mean so you're limited on options and so i just think but i think the difficulty for you guys david is going to be like how do you change somebody's like mentality like philosophy it's not just like here's a new arena now we're going to the new arena like you have to get there differently you know there's people who don't like public transportation you know there's people who are skeptical that SEPTA can get their shit together by that time so you're, you're fighting like a war on multiple fronts you're not just like hey here's a new arena here's a new idea but people who are so used to to doing something a certain way that's a hard that's a hard shift for them so I give this like corny example and I'm a couple of years older than you guys. So you may not relate to it, but before I used the, you know, the iPhone, I had a Blackberry. Okay. I don't know if you guys had Blackberry. Yes, I had a Blackberry. Like, Kyle right, probably did, but I did. Right, right. But like the greatest device in the world was the Blackberry. Okay. And when the iPhone came out, I was like, there is no way I'm typing on glass. I like what I like and that's it. And I was a holdout till mine died and I couldn't get a new one. Okay. And now I'm like, holy shit, the iPhone's the greatest thing in the world, okay? And so, like, I get that muscle memory is hard to change, but, like, you know, we have eight years to get people prepared for it, okay? For the first season that you're a season ticket holder, you'll have your SEPTA train pass on there, okay? Try it. If you don't want to take the train after a couple times, don't do it, okay? But try it, okay? So you're going to save an average. So our traffic engineer has determined that you will save 40 minutes of time each way taking public transit to and from our games okay time's a commodity okay and so try it you know i'm not a huge environmentalist but think about what the benefit is for the environment by not all those cars going let's look at that um let's look at the fact that the largest percentage of uber drivers to wells fargo center emanate from center city philadelphia yeah okay yeah. where is our season ticket holders so pre-covid we know that 50 percent of our season ticket holders live or work in center city they're already there okay so like i don't know how much energy i'm trying how hard it's going to be to change once we show the convenience 
Yeah, it, it's interesting. I mean, and that comes with time too. I think, you know, people are are just so rooted in in familiarity. I've used this example like a million times on the podcast. I probably got to come up with something better. But, you know, you, you I'm sure you know people who have been, pick your short town, been vacationing in Sea Isle City for 50 years, yep. right? You know, yep. and, you know it's, it's, not, it's not because they're anti-Wildwood, but it's just because that's what they've been doing. And that's what they know. So you're going to have to like try to fight that parochial, provincial, give me another P word, like, you know, philosophical kind of thing that people are just ingrained in them, you know? So that's, that's it. I mean, that's, that's a, that's a hard thing, but that's the, that's the one thing. Those are the two things out of here. Why do you have to move, uh, you know, and then people who are hesitant to take public transit or whatever. The other thing that I hear probably like number, the number three complaint I hear from people is they say, what are you going to do at the arena when the Sixers aren't playing there? How do you fill the nights on, on, on non, non NBA nights? So, so let's talk about that. Um, there's two components to that. One, the way we're designing the arena, the ground floor will be retail. We've elevated the bowl similar to Boston. It's elevated above this the train station, okay? You'll walk in off Market Street to retail inside in restaurants, activated 365 days a year. Um, same along Market Street will be vibrant retail. The signage, the billboards, all of that will be your know, public art, things like that on non-game nights. So most importantly, walking by it, it won't be dark and black, even if there's no event. We're, we're going to have about 150 nights a year, okay? Between basketball, concerts, um, all the other, you know, basketball, you know, college basketball, things like that, okay? And then on non-event nights, we're going to make it a community asset, banquets, community graduations, things like that. But the biggest issue and the thing that the convention center is most excited about is we're across the street from the convention center. When you think about the largest conventions in the world, okay, well, think about two things. Right now, convention planners come to Philadelphia. It's got a nice facility, and they walk around to say, well, what kind of experience will our convention goers have? Well, I want you to think about, oh, great history, the Liberty Bell, Constitution Center. I want you to think about now walking from, Mark, from the convention center down Market Street, nighttime, to the Liberty Bell. Can't do it. I, right? Okay, <laughs> like – it looks like Gotham City right now, okay? Because there's no energy, no nightlife. But now imagine if the convention center can also draft off of the arena and have those giant, largest global events, what that will do to our economy, okay? That you now have, and that happens all the time in cities where they use multiple arenas to stage large events. You know, the, the biggest complaint we heard about the Democratic and Republican conventions was they used the convention center and the Wells Fargo Center and the trip in between was what everyone complained about. We won't have to do that now. So we look at all the other benefits for tourism and travel that'll happen in Philly, you know, having this there. I've floated this topic before. I've seen other people float it. <clears throat> I don't know if you guys care about a WNBA team or not. Um, my thought was that if you're looking to address the question of, you know, filling the nights in the arena or maybe bringing in some people who are anti-arena, who like the idea of having a women's team here because they think it's some kind of, you know, it's like the moral imperative side of it, right? Um, it seemed like it may have been a strategy to, you know, to, to, to help you guys or maybe help the case for the arena. Do you guys have any um, solid concrete thoughts on, on WNBA or is that something that you've not really talked about at all? No, we've talked about it. And even before I got involved in the team, you know, there's two, you know, Wanda Sykes is kind of leading, you know, kind of the group that's looking to do the WNBA team. I've been deeply involved in discussions with them. I've offered to personally invest. Okay. Um, but two things. One, 
I'm not going to bring a WNBA team right now and sign a second lease at the Wells Fargo Center. Okay. I'm already having issues in my current lease. Okay. Uh, and it's no disrespect to them, but like, why would I enter into a second, you know, a second relationship, but number two, and you guys should do your research to that. Um, number two, um, we feel strongly and the NBA feels strongly that the control owner of a WNBA team shouldn't be an NBA owner because they want this to be the number one priority yeah. of the team. Okay. So like everyone keeps, you know, there's a lot of rhetoric out there coming out there from, you know, Others out there, you know, trying to position us why we aren't doing it. You know, I, there was a great article that came out that Comcast can't afford it. Okay. I mean, that, that which was wild to me. You know, I don't know if they, that their shareholders might not approve. I don't know if their shareholders approved of the $400 million they just spent, but, um, you know, the 50 million for WNBA team shouldn't be a problem. But we would, first of all, one is a landlord of our own building. We're open to hosting the WNBA. Okay, just wearing a landlord hat, we'd welcome them. We think it'd be great. We think the accessibility again for people to get there, you know, is is unparalleled. But two, this rhetoric of you know the Sixers owning the women's WNBA team, I would just tell you that's not where the league wants it to go. They want it to be another person that that's what they're getting up and thinking about every day. Not that it's like you know people always say it's the second place to it. Yeah, not not they don't want it to be like it's some kind of side project, some kind of pet project, or that they're just doing it because they feel like they have to do it, you know. Because then, if you if you take that like, well, I'm doing this because it's morally the right thing to do, and we should have a women's team in addition to a men's team. Well, the women's team should get as much attention as the men's team. Hypothetically, we agree. So when, so when yeah. you're saying that, when you take on like, I don't want to use the term. Okay, I'll use it there, like pet, like a pet project or something like that. That's right. not that's counterintuitive to what they're trying to do in the first place, you know. But I also think you you were talking about the article that was in the Inquirer, um, and, and the other thing that I don't the thing that I don't think is fair necessarily is looking at HBSE having to be like the de facto you know investor in women's sport. I mean, Comcast can invest in NWSL or WNBA. The Eagles can well, do it. I mean, other people can. Oh, like Com- Comcast could buy the WNBA team, but you know, again, I think you know. A, it's kind of a moot point because if you talk to Kathy, the commissioner, they've already kind of signaled that the next round looks like, no one's quoted this, but, you know, Toronto and Oakland, okay? Mm -hmm. You know, I think that'll be 24 or 25. You're talking like 27, 28, or 29 until we're even going to, they're even going to do the next round of expansion teams. So I'm not sure like why we're getting all stirred up, but like on a personal level, like I've committed personally that I would throw some money in the deal because I think it's important. I have two daughters. Like I love women's sports. Like, so it's important to me personally, but you know, and Josh and David want to be supportive also, but like to your point, we, the, the, the league wants this to be driven by an entrepreneur who is going to wake up every day only thinking about that business. Right. Right. Um, Dan, it came out that Dan Hilferty offered you guys uh, a part of Wells Fargo. I know you guys are buddies and everything. Have, have those conversations continued or are they kind of just shut down? Well, you know, you know, Kyle, the, the funny thing is the first I heard of that was when Dan put it in the newspaper. Okay. Good to know. He did okay. say he called you. I guess you guys didn't talk about that. Oh, he, Dan called me when he took the job. Look, I, I tell everyone Dan's a friend. Okay. Yeah. I love Dan. Dan and I had drinks a couple of weeks ago, like, and we'll continue to be friends through this. But like, I can also say like, friends can disagree and sometimes your friends are wrong. <laughs> right. I mean, right. So, um, but I love Dan. Well, how does his, how does, does his entrance into this job change your relationship with, with Comcast? Was it good, bad, neutral, but before that, I mean, does it, how, how does his entrance into the, uh, you know, the, 
the scene here change anything. Look, look, I I love Dan, but like my peer in these discussions is Brian. Okay. Like Brian Roberts. You know, and Dan yeah, and Dan I talked about, you know, Brian's done a very good job of and look, I, I, I have a lot of respect for Brian and what he's done for Philadelphia, but you know, Brian's done a very good job of being in the background as the owner of the team. Okay, you know, of the flyers and all that. And that that's fine. But like, you know, it hasn't changed the dynamic other than Dan has made it a great point to make sure and he has said this and I want to give him credit that he wants to make sure that our experience as a tenant in the building. He calls us partners, but I remind him that Dan, I'm not your partner, you own the building. I'm just your tenant. But like yeah, but I yeah. you know, but he but what he what Dan has said and I appreciate it is that he wants to make sure that the working relationship between the team and the building is the best it can be. And I, I fully appreciate that. Well, does it have to be any more complicated than the thought of you are the only team that plays in the sports complex that does not own your building? And, you know, if you were a renter in, but pick any of us, right? If I was renting from somebody, eventually I'd probably just want my own place, right? I mean, well, does, does it have to be any more complicated than that? Dude, that's what I tell everyone. Okay. And to make it, you know, to make it, you know, kind of, I want to control our own destiny, but like, I'd love tenants in my apartment. I'm in the apartment business, you know, my day job. Mm -hmm. I'd love my tenants to renovate my kitchens and bathrooms. Me, Josh and David just spent $10 million putting in our new locker room at the team. We spent that money in someone else's building. Okay. And so like, at the end of the day, I'm not sure why people think it's their right to stop us from controlling our own destiny. And that's all we want to do. Okay. And by the way, our customers can then make the decision if we made a poor choice where we locate the facility, right? Now, if our customers and our fans and our season ticket holders think, then they will vote with their wallets and say Edelman was wrong. I don't think I'm wrong, but like that, that's on us, right? But to, you know, create this whole universe of we should be beholden to our landlord. Imagine if David Edelman did that to his tenants. And anyone who wanted to leave my buildings to go buy their first condo or home, I got in the way and went to the real estate broker, did something, said, don't sell to them or you shouldn't give that due. Can you imagine? Like, I'd be chastised. And so, look, I, I don't blame somebody for wanting to do whatever they can to keep a tenant. But, you know, you, you, you guys summed it up. You see it very clearly. We just want to control our own destiny. We're the, I didn't finally think about that, that we're the only sports team in the complex that doesn't own our own venue. Yeah, I mean, like sometimes, you know, you try to take things at face value. I just this this whole arena thing has become such a like complicated, politicized, like 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 clusterfuck, to be quite honest. I, I don't I'm I'm not su surprised really by that. I know there's a lot that you know, I, I was surprised. You're surprised by how much it. Listen, like and, you know, I know you guys have covered it, but like the challenges that we've had to get balanced coverage on this thing, like. I'm amazed by it. Like I'm amazed that there's a big brother out there putting their thumb on the scale. It, it, it's crazy. Now, obviously, like we're we're getting great support from people in different communities, but like it gets stifled by you know kind of you know some of the press you're seeing. We've had like you know Mayor Nutter wrote an op-ed. Labor unions wrote you know pieces, and none of those got those got rejected by the paper. Like, yeah, I don't like, think a lot of people. I don't think a lot of big publications in their uh, city are are denying former mayor op-eds you know in the major publication which is is, is kind of well, funny they they denied one mayor they put in an op-ed from two other mayors right coincidence random day i don't know but uh you know speaking of speaking of mayors do you look at um the cheryl parker 
uh, primary win. Do you look at that as a pro or con for the uh, the future of the stadium? Who, let's be honest, we haven't had a Republican mayor in, in years. She will most likely win in November. I look at it as a pro for the city of Philadelphia. I think that everything she said during her race lined up with, you know, for me and friends of mine in the business community, what we were looking for and what we are looking for on a go forward basis. Um, I have a lot of respect for Mayor Kenny. I think, you know, it, it, he went through a lot having to deal with COVID. I think that, you know, uh, Sherelle is, you know, going to help things like, you know, her, her initiatives on public safety. I think we're reassuring to folks like me who are investors in the city and to residents, uh, her pro-growth, pro-business development, but smart growth. So everything that she aligns and values towards, you know, is something that I appreciate. Let's talk about the Chinatown thing. We, we've there, there, There's a thing? You may have heard or you may not have heard. But, but they, you know, here's the thing. I, I think we've been probably more forthright than, than anybody in terms of, of saying, like, look, the arena is not technically in Chinatown, right? So when people say Chinatown arena, that's misleading. However, it's going to be right. So up- it, it, it creates clickbait, though, right? It does. It does. It's a whole nother conversation for another podcast, probably. Yeah. But well, let's 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 not be naive to the fact like, OK, it's not it's going to be dumped right in the center of Chinatown. It's not a Chinatown arena. I think a lot of people have been choosing to ignore that for obvious reasons. But you build something right next door to them. I'm sure it's going to have some kind of imp- impact on, on something. Um, so, number one what what are you hearing or where are you at with the Chinatown community? And and number two, what's your what's your message to, to people there who are concerned about it? Yeah. So one, I don't want to be naive to the concerns and I don't want to dismiss them. Okay. Especially because the people you, you, your viewers should understand the history of Chinatown in Philadelphia. In the 1980s, they built the Vine Street Expressway, cut it in half. Literally cut a neighborhood in half, you know, like, you know, that happened in South Philly. People would be going nuts, right? Like, I mean, just cut a neighborhood in half. And, you know, the city used eminent domain to displace businesses and displace residents. Like, fact. The convention center in the 1990s, early 90s, eminent domain displaced people and businesses. The Phillies ballpark that they proposed doing would have done the same thing, displaced residents and displaced businesses. This is not that. And let me like, I'll say, because I always enunciate this, we will not displace one business or one resident with the new arena. I am taking one box and building another box in its place. Okay. And I think that's really important for people to understand the context of that. Okay. Number two, when you think about the density of what the mall, when the mall went through its $400 million or $300 million expansion, what that would have done, I did not hear any of this uproar. Okay, maybe it did showed up somewhere, but you know, I when, when it went through its two block expansion, I did not hear about that. Okay, um, but number three, the Chinatown community is d- really diverse. Okay, there's no one voice in Chinatown as much as people want you to under to think that. First generation, second generation, third generation. Some people live there. Some people view it as the cultural and civic hub, which is great. But you know, some people. So, well, what have we heard? Some people, affordable housing, the lack of affordability in, in their community is an issue. Great. We want, to be a, we want to be a provider of affordable housing or provider of capital to help stabilize that need. Two, the business community's big push buttons are safety, cleanliness, lighting, pub, you know, public safety, all of those things. Okay, so what can we do? They don't, they're not, they don't participate in the center city district because they didn't want to be taxed to do that. 
we've said we'll help provide capital for cleaning, safety ambassadors, lighting, and security cameras. Because you know we think that part of the way you revitalize the neighborhood, including Chinatown, and they might say we don't, we like it just the way it is. Okay, someone should look at that and say, well, what's the future of Chinatown? Forgetting the arena, what's the demographic population growth? What's the study? And I believe they're going to do a study on their own to just, and they should. But like for me, I know that I myself prefer to feel safe based on perception. If I see streets well lit, clean security cameras, people activity on the street, I'm going to feel safe. I'm going to want to go frequent those businesses. And so we want to create an environment that does all of that. And that can't, so to answer your question, we've been listening. Affordable housing, safety, security, cleanliness, public lighting. Those are the biggest things. Next tier of issues, traffic. There will be some traffic. What can we do to mitigate that? What can we do to set aside certain parking spots for local businesses on game and concert nights so that doesn't hurt them their business with local folks? Those are all things we're interested in. Taking local Chinatown businesses and co-locating them in the arena. You know, Brooklyn does a great job of having rotating kiosks of local vendors, food vendors, to give them a try. They might not be ready to open up a restaurant per se, but they, they are ready to kind of like get their feet wet and do that. We've offered that already. We've offered business support, marketing for Chinatown businesses within the arena on game nights. Okay. And so we're trying, we don't have all the answers and I'm still listening, but like we're trying to continue to continue to get, continue to get smarter. Has the city, David, completed the uh, study that they were doing, just exploring a lot of the arena? Type? Okay, is there Not an yet. anticipated by the end of the, by the end of the summer is what I believe it'll be done by the end summer. of the summer? Okay. Yeah. Um, I just last point on the Chinatown thing. I, you know, I think the problem with all the arena discussion right now is that it's just it's very hyperbolic, and uh, you know, we can have like like if you had concerns about it, you got concerns. You know, if you're pro arena, you're pro arena. But I, you know, we had Governor Shapiro on the show. Uh, a couple weeks ago and you know his his comment was just like we just have to try to take the heat out of it a little bit you know and like and and remove a lot of the emotional stuff out of it i I don't know how you do that right but i mean just a lot of the stuff has been just so like feels so charged um you know on both sides someone i'm wondering if there's a way if uh, it's kind of a a loaded question but i mean is there a way to to take like to just get it down to like a more practical prag pragmatic level of of talk well, look, I hope – my hope is that the study – you know, I, and I'm really glad the city's doing it because this way if someone thought I did it, they think I have my thumb on the scale. If Chinatown did it, they had their thumb on the scale. Like let's have like a robust discussion process. And like the best deals are generally where not everyone gets what they want, okay? Like we all need to win and we all need to lose a little bit. But like I believe more people will win as a result of this. But, you know, the heat, I, I, I hope it comes down. It's not productive. It's not good for the city. The city is a melting ice cube right now. We need to reinvigorate it. And, you know, that's my goal. Let's just let's just say potentially that, you know, Marcus, Market East does not get approved. Do you guys have other locations in mind or? I have no plan B. I don't work that way. All right. I was going to ask you, can you promise the arena won't be moved over to New Jersey? I know that's like, well, I promise you that Josh, David, and I have said day one, this is the Philadelphia team and it is not moving to New Jersey. Okay. Perfect. I think that'll uh, quell a lot of fears. uh, Because that's the conspiracy theory. That's yeah. No, listen, you guys should take my Philly man card. If like that happens, like I I wouldn't be able to live here. Yeah. We wouldn't be afraid to. 
The conspiracy theory is that this is all just a front so that you guys can move it to uh, Camden. Yeah. Let, let me tell you, like, I must be like, have the highest threshold of pain if that was true because I am getting punched in the face every day. You guys have, you know, by, <laughs> you know, unbalanced coverage in the media and all this other stuff that like i like honestly like i i it wouldn't have been worth all this pain just to say i'm like to create a story to move to jersey it's a lot to put yourself through yeah that's that's quite a Uh, quite a beat quite a beating to take just to uh put up up a front and then uh go to go to camden anyway um the last one i have unless kyle's got something else here i I just want to make sure i got the the process straight here talk about the city study looking for results maybe at the end of the summer just just i want to read this uh, verbatim from what i wrote just so everybody who's listening to the podcast understands how this works so the way this moves forward and david jump in and correct me if i got anything wrong here sixers lawyers draft the arena legislation it's reviewed by the city's law department uh just to make sure everything's legal accurate proper all that uh councilman squilla who we had on the show his district is is the arena site is in his district um he wants a public hearing and 30 days of notice for the community to look over the proposal and all that. And then after the community hearing process, the council president gives the bill to the council committee. They schedule a public hearing. And then if the legislation comes out of that committee with approval, it goes to city council for two votes. And then it goes to the mayor for signature. That all sound right? Uh it sounds mostly right. I think there's some nuances in there that I'm probably not close enough to. But one, I think the ordinance, which you're calling legislation, you know, I, I think that's kind of drafted by the city. We help, you know, we might take the first swag at it, but it's really the city's okay. ordinance and the, the law department has to approve that, you know, that that document. Two, I think, you know, and all of that work that's going on and the councilman is having go on does not necessarily mean that he will introduce it, right? I think, you know, the work that he'll have going on is in parallel, right? You know, there are certain timelines that need to get met. Uh, and I don't know if you guys have talked about this previously. Have you, we talked about the debt maturity on the mall? No, I don't think so. so. So let me just digress for one second because it's really important. You know, the, the, the mall has debt coming due in January of 2024, okay? Uh, no differently than I don't know if you guys heard, but 1500 Mark at the clothespin building, um, 1500 Spring Garden, just two giant office buildings in Philly are going to foreclosure and bankruptcy right now. Uh, there's a few others in the queue. Um, you know, I can't imagine if the mall can't pay refinance its debt, which may or may not be able to do, uh, that would go into bankruptcy. And I want everyone to think about what uh, Market East becomes if there's three blocks of darkness. Okay, so well, that's a legitimate question too, and I would ask, you know, if we can get a, like a Chinatown representative on the show or something, I would say to them, look, if you do, if the arena doesn't go here, you know, what, what is the alternative, or or you know, look at the possibilities, or, or what what do you think should go here? You know, I mean, that's that's probably an underrated. Topic. Well, th- what should go there and what is economically viable are two different things. I mean, I'll give you another example. So you know, you talk about all this hubbub over what we're doing here. The zoning where the mall is is called CMX5. Okay. On those three blocks of the mall, you could build three Liberty Place buildings, 60 story buildings by right, getting a permit over the building. Okay. And the Chinatown or adjacent communities would get zero community benefits. Okay. Yeah. I'm offering $50 million, which is the largest community benefits agreement in the history of Philadelphia and one of the largest in the country for a sports and entertainment venue. Just real quick for people who don't know what that is, a community benefits agreement does what? A community benefits agreement is a legally binding document between the developer and the city 
that says we will have to do X, whatever X is. So we've said we're going to put $50 million into the community over X period of time for X, these things. You know, and it could be the things we kind of talked about, affordable housing, safety and security, cleanliness, lighting, whatever, whatever those things. It could be education programs. It could be other things in different parts of the city because we're going to spread this money out. But I, we would be legally bound and we would all sign that document, uh, you know, as, as the arena owners to engage in that process. But I want people to understand the alternative is you could, in theory, knock them all down, build three 60 story buildings, thousands. OK, probably three, four thousand apartments could be high density on those three blocks and uh, all by right. No discussion within the community. And so now I, I, I think it's highly unlikely that a bankrupt mall gets bought, knocked down, and, and all that for a long period of time in litigation. But, you know, we'd have to see. And so part of what we're trying to avoid here is us closing on the portion of the mall where we're buying our site uh, and getting the legislation we need to do that. And then we will also be owners of half of the mall with the current mall owner um, to help reinvigorate that, we think, is the win. I want to finish on a light question. It's been, Please. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're flying around everywhere. You got stresses over the arena. You're over 50 now, but the hair kind of still flows. What's the, what's the secret for the people at home? We, we shampoo, conditioner, repeat, no conditioner. Give, <laughs> give, give a little insight into the people at home. A lot of discussion about the hair. Um, yeah, thankfully I haven't lost it. And, you know, despite Comcast best tries, it hasn't turned gray yet, but, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, listen, it, it, it takes a village. Okay, we got a lot. We got a good product re regimen in the morning, um, and uh, we, we, it's a good time. It's, there's a lot of good hair at the Wells Fargo Center in the first row. What's the name of the lawyer who's always sitting there? Uh, oh, uh, Tom, Spe Tom, Spe Tom, Shannon Tom, Spector. Tom Klein. Tom, Tom, yeah. Tom, Tom Klein. Yeah, Tom yeah, Klein, he's yeah. got the long yeah, yeah. hair, too. He's got, I tried, he's, got good, he's got good flow. I know. I tried growing my hair long twice, but it just kept going up and out. I looked like one of well, the listen, guys from, from the 80s the, hair band. The, the transition is tough, man. But, you know, Kevin, I, I, I've got, you know, I can turn you on to my people and we can we can get you right. Yeah, my wife didn't like it. She thought I looked like uh, like like I was in like, um, you know, rat or something. <laughs> Brett Taylor. Like I was, I was in the, like the round and round video or something, you know, so. But, uh, Pick your '80s, pick your '80s hair metal band. Yeah, it just it just kept going up and out. It didn't really fall down. So, oh, Brett Michaels, that's who it was, right? Brett Michaels, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Poison, yeah. Right, all right, right. So, get a, so get a good salon and get a good product ratio. That's all we need. That's all we need. All right. I, 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 listen, maybe the Edelman Hair Care line's not far out. So you know, maybe yeah. Edelman uh, Hair by Edelman in uh, the Sixers right? Arena. Hair by DA, we got it. Yeah. <laughs> well, by awesome. the way, they have a bar they have a barber shop in Atlanta's arena. I know they do. Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like in the arena, like it's in, in the arena. It's a great, it's, it's like a legendary place. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All, right. All right. Guys, thanks for having me. Thanks, thanks so much. Man. Thanks for coming on. All right. Talk soon. All right. There it is. We are, uh, we appreciate David for coming on. Kevin, anything you want to add? We, we did see, we, unfortunately we didn't see renderings before, that interview they all released out today you can see them on crossingbroad.com but anything you wanted to add before we head out no no i thought it was a good discussion and we'll try to have um we will see if um you know dan helferty or somebody from comcast wants to come on and give us their side for sure um we'll reach out to the chinatown coalition and see if they want to have somebody come on the show and you know present you know their concerns yeah. as well so you'll try to try yeah, to we're open to talking to anybody i mean i yeah. i mean i know me, you and i we're pretty pro arena as pro arena can be 
Um, but we do understand well, that there the thing, are though. people listen, who are listen, affected are, by it. Are are we even pro arena? I think we're just more have been like given them a fair shake with it. You know, <laughs> I don't know, I don't even know. Like, I gotta be honest, man. I don't like if they build it cool. If they don't, um, it's true. You know, you know. But just continue I, I, to go I'm, down I'm, to South Philly. Yeah. I'm pro the idea. I just, that's why I asked David. I said, I don't, I don't want people just, I, it bothers me when you say something new and then I'll, you know, the first thing you get is like, Oh no, we can't do this. We can't do this. This is what, you know, like people shit on it. Like let's hear them out. See what they have to say. You know, see what the city says when they return that study and, you know, analyze it and we'll see if it's good or not. But um, I just didn't like people jumping on it and shitting on it and just, you know, doing all that without like going through the process really. Yeah. Give it a chance. Yeah. No, it's fair. Fair. All right. Well, hey, thanks, David, for coming on. Thank you to Kev. Thank you to Craig on the ones and twos. And uh, we'll talk to you on, on Tuesday. Have a good weekend, everybody.